and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture in order from the very first award ceremony to someday the present year. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. And this week we watched the penultimate movie in the cursed 1935 year. Yeah. Mutiny on the Bounty. Starring Clark Gable and Charles Lawton. So I hated this movie, and I gather you just were... I don't know, you might have up to liked it. I did not like it. Okay, that's... I I, I think you... <laughs> I did not hate it as much as you did. No. But I would be very hard-pressed to hate anything with Clark Gable in it as much as you did. Though I'm looking forward to that theory being really tested... For God with the Wind. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say, one of the things that scares me about you not absolutely despising this movie that's weird British colonialism apologalia with the handsome boy is what's going to happen when we get to Gone with the Wind. <laughs> because, like, listen, he's a handsome boy. He's an extremely handsome boy. And I spent, like, the better part of this movie thinking about very little other than the fact that I was sad that he didn't have his mustache. Which I think actually helped me not pay attention to as much of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, this is uh, a weird one because... <laughs> no. <laughs> the thing that makes it weird this time is Charles Lawton is once again acting in an entirely different movie than everybody else. And I think I'd rather be watching that movie for the first time. Yeah, you know, I don't disagree with that at all. I feel like everybody else is in this, like, tropical vacation movie and Charles Lawton is in a movie about the British Royal Navy being, you know, bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we should sum up the plot of this film, which I feel like is going to go really weirdly quickly, especially because I cannot remember anybody except Clark Gable and Charles Lawton. Like, I have extensive three pages of notes, and if you told me to differentiate between those boys, I could not do it. I couldn't do it during the fucking film. So their plot lines are going to get kind of short shrift. Okay. I don't know if that was also true for you. There was something that you said, which was that everyone in this movie has three other people that look exactly like them. Yeah. I don't disagree. <laughs> and that includes, is it Franchotone? I don't know how to say his name. Who is also in Lives of a Bengal Answer. So I, I already really hate him. Though, to be fair, he was, like, the only person in Lives of a Bengal Lancer that I wanted to like, and that movie wouldn't let me like anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it... <sighs> or anything for the... <laughs> involved in it at all this movie takes a real turn that i kind of need to dig into that in bingle lancer i feel like was that turn and them getting captured but in this one it's this weird turn where in the back third of this movie it just abandons any kind of reality to the like historical event it's supposed to be portraying. Right. And in a way that means they're a coward. It's not like one of those Hollywood changes for Hollywood changes sake or like, oh, the story flows better if X happens. It's just like, oh, if I told you the truth, that'd make you feel icky. So instead, I'm just going to fucking straight up lie to your face like a coward. I mean, is that 
Hollywood or is that the adaptation of this novel? Like, is the novel one that totally departs from the historical record? I mean, I don't know. I haven't read it. From what I gather, the novel does depart from the historical record, but in a very direct and singular way. It goes like, oh, actually, the dude faked his death. They said he died, but actually he came back to England. And this just straight up rewrites everything that happens after the titular mutiny. Oh, okay. Like, the only thing that happens once the mutiny starts that seems to have any basis in historical accuracy is them throwing Lawton's character onto the little skimmer boat and him piloting it a ridiculously long distance without anybody dying. Other than that, the weird thing is nothing happens for the first like hour and a half of this film, except Charles Lawton is an asshole. Like he is a captain of this naval vessel that is set to go and get some kind of tree. Breadfruit trees. Thank you. And like you meet all the characters on the boat, but I'll be damned if I cared about literally any of them except for our handsome boy. (laughs) Then Charles Lawton is a real fucking asshole to them until there's a mutiny. And then things get kind of wild. They, like, visited this tropical island and, like, one of the things about it is, like, they all had a really great time there. And then they're back on the boat with this friggin' asshole that's driving people to death, basically. They were in Tahiti. Yeah. But the plot kind of splits in two after the mutiny. Where there's, like, the ones that stay in the glorious mutiny land of piracy to, like, build a new world without all the bullshit of the British Navy. And then there's, like, a court-martial trial that is then totally invalidated in the last scene in the movie. So it's like, why did you waste my time? (laughs) All the ones that go back with Charles Lawton immediately regret it because he like doesn't feel any sympathy or any gratefulness to them whatsoever and tries to get everybody that didn't like explicitly kiss his ass thrown in jail which didn't happen but like that's what happens in the movie and you spend a lot of time on that trial until one of the interchangeable boys makes a big speech about honor and then everybody goes there's no honor here it's the british navy and then they all get court-martialed and sentenced to death until King George III, you know, that great monarch who made great decisions and fixed everything, <laughs> just pardons them for no reason. And then there's a big speech in the other plot line about the, like, brave new world they're going to build. And they drive off into the sunset, cutting the part where they tried to enslave the native peoples of another island and got murdered for it. They didn't all get murdered. Like, there are still... Literally all of them but one. No, there's, like, lots of people on Pitcairn Island who are the descendants of the bounty crew. Right, but when they go to visit that island in, like, 1907, there's exactly one member of the bounty crew left alive. Oh, yeah, they did all get murdered, except for the one who, like, had a Bible and made everyone be Christian. Mm -hmm. But they had kids who were like the descendants of them. It seems like pretty much everybody was murdering everybody though. I mean the whole history of Pitcairn Island is like that is a dark and terrifying story like up to very recently that we won't go on about. I mean sure and like I think what irritates me is not that like Christian was like worse than which is by the way the name of our lead 
which I genuinely believe is why everybody keeps making him the protagonist, because he has the most protagonisty name ever. Fletcher Christian. Yeah, but Fletcher Christian, not a great dude, died being a not great dude. Yes. Yeah, they do make it so that after they go back to Tahiti after the mutiny, it's not that they enslaved people, it was that their girlfriends were like, yeah, we would love to come with you to another island. Yeah. And like, the thing that I think irritates me is that like, the story of what happened is so much more interesting, and also gets at the same basic point this movie makes by just having Charles Lawton be a jerk over and over again, which is like, the British Navy sucked, and British imperialist colonialism really sucked. And press gagging was very bad. Yes, and all of those things are things that come through really clearly in the actual historical incident. It's just that they've made this easy good guy who does a good type of colonialism, and it fucking makes me want to throw something through a window. Because just have him also be kind of a jerk. Have it be complicated. Because in the historical record, it's complicated as shit. Like, Bly apparently beat, like, his crew less than other captains. Which is not like, that means he's a great guy. But it does mean that, like, this was a weird, confusing, messy thing. And instead, it's turned into, like, this cheap, moralistic play that's just exhausting. Yeah, it's not, it's not amazing. But, I mean, there is the handsome boy. There's, that's Scott Clark Gable. I, uh. Yes, it does have Clark Gable. It it also has like, huh, what do I want to say about this? Because the, the major problem that I had with this movie and probably the reason why I like just tuned out of it so much is that there are so many better versions of like, not necessarily this story, like I haven't seen the other Mutiny on the Bounty movies, but of like this period of naval history and like the issues with press gangs and the English Navy and everything else. Like Black Sails does this story way better and like the characters are complicated and they're not necessarily good guys and the fact is like when they become pirates instead of let's go make our own colony they actually are legitimately fighting against that idea not just the english crown specifically it didn't do a whole lot for me other than the fact that like yeah clark gable is handsome and he has his shirt off for one third of the mm, one quarter of the movie i think the reason i had so much time to just sit in hating this movie and started doing a thing that i generally think is like it's bad criticism it's bad form to sit here and go like you shouldn't have made this movie you should have made another movie that would have been better but the thing is, just the middle third of this movie is so impressed that it's on a boat <laughs> that, like, nothing happens. So you just sit there going, like, I guess I'll just look up what actually happened. Shit, this is a way better movie. Yeah, they do spend a lot of time on the boat. Well, I mean, the time that they spend on the boat, is that the middle third? Like, I would kind of say that this movie to me is in four pretty distinct sections, which is, like, before they get on the boat while they're on the boat, while they're in Tahiti, and then when, like, the crew splits. I mean, my rental ran out, and so I am not gonna buy it again to check, 
But I would say before they get on the boat is maybe 15 minutes of this two hour and 17 minute film. Yeah, that's true. So I think there's a solid over an hour of getting to the island. Right, right. All of that stuff where they're sailing to the island. It's incredibly repetitious. It doesn't build to a breaking point where you're like, oh, okay, I understand why there was a mutiny here. Bly... Charles Lawton's character is an asshole from Jump. And like he keelhauls somebody pretty early on in that whole thing. Which, by the way, never happened, but go on. I mean, never happened in real life. On the bounty. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, I just. People were keelhauled. Yes. Which is like the most fucked up thing I can imagine. Also, the special effects for the keelhauling scene were a little bit hilarious, where they have like. A little doll that they're dragging across a textured surface that you're like, oh yeah, that's the bottom of the boat. And that's definitely that dude. Again, Black Sails did it better. This is actually, this whole episode is going to be me just saying, go watch Black Sails. Where was I going with this? Oh yeah, right. So uh, there's no buildup that makes sense because there's so many like really brutal things that happen so early. And then like the turning point where... Fletcher Christian is like, well, this is completely unfair and uncivil, is like, Bly tells him that he can't eat dinner with them because Fletcher Christian is upset about the other guy's rations or something. And I'm like, that's your flip? Yeah, it's this thing where, like, if it weren't for that sort of, like, last inspiring monologue... And, like, how much of a paradise their life after the mutiny was, I would think they were intentionally kind of setting Fletcher Christian up to be an asshole. Because he, like, lets a dude get keel-hauled, like, lets him abuse the rest of the crew, and then as soon as Bly is mean to him, he starts going, like, I'm gonna fucking overthrow this goddamn boat. Which apparently, though, was the historical thing that happened. Right. It just, Bly wasn't quite that level of- Over-the-top villain. of brutal yeah like he didn't do such grisly things as keelhaul people and also there's a pretty strong argument in the actual historical narrative that a big part of what led to the mutiny wasn't so much that Bly was an asshole it's that they spent five months in Tahiti and then they were like cool get back on the boat and you're back in the navy now which like sucks But they didn't really set that up at all in the movie. Yeah. First of all, it did not feel like they were there for five months. No. And like, I don't think you're supposed to think that. Like, I think you're supposed to think the mutiny happens because Bly is like this irredeemable villain. And like, that's so much more boring than like, hey, they got a taste of how much this sucks. Like they actually got some perspective on why, why would you fucking do this? So they spend all this time on this stuff, like the weird crew members that are just like out for blood as opposed to like Fletcher Christian's like weirdly honorable mutiny, except it's not honorable, but the movie wants you to think it's honorable. They keep having to go right up to the edge of doing something kind of complicated and interesting, and then going, oh, nope, everything's fine. Everything's cool. The handsome boy is always good and right. (laughs) And it fucking sucks. Like I said, I did not love this movie. I, I didn't even like it. I was very detached from it. I just spent most of the time looking at Clark Gable and being like, well, he's really handsome, but also he's better with the mustache. And then, like, kind of tuning back into whatever was happening. Though I want to talk about the scenes in Tahiti and how it is, like, an entirely different movie. And it feels a lot like the Hawaii parts 
of flirtation walk. Oh, yeah. Right, except, like, instead of sort of leaving it implied that the native peoples are all, like, weirdly worshipful of our protagonist, we spend a lot of time sitting in that in this movie. Yeah, it's not just one luau scene. It's, like, a good 30 minutes of, like, the chief, I guess, of this village. Who is, of course, played by a white dude. (laughs) All of the major Tahitian characters, or at least the named Tahitian characters, are white or, like, Mexican actors. But, you know, they they have to do that because you can't have miscegenation in 1930s movies. Thanks, Hayes Office. Then don't make this movie. Anyway. I mean, like, don't make this movie for a number of reasons. Sure. But yeah, that too. And, you know, the chief is, of course, this, like, wise beyond any of the white people's guy. And he always has some spiritual wisdom to pass down. He doesn't look even the littlest bit Tahitian. I spent the whole first scene with him going like, so did he get left on the island and then they made him chief? Like, when Bly was here last? No, because he, like, doesn't know who King George III is. And thinks he'd just be on a boat. Like, I just, like, I was, it it was inconceivable to me that the movie wanted me to believe that he was a native person of Tahiti. Nobody actually looks very Tahitian. The most, I would say, would be Mamo Clark, who plays the one that ends up hooking up with Clark Gable. Because she's Hawaiian, so, like, there's at least, like... There's a couple of extras that at least don't look like they're your cool uncle who's going to invite you to a Steely Dan concert. Yes. Like, that, like... (laughs) Which is totally what William Bambridge looks like. It's ridiculous. He also in no way looks like he could be the father to Tahani. No! Who is played by Movida Castaneda, who is a Mexican-American actress, who was the second wife of Marlon Brando. But it is a big, exoticizing mess. One of the girls never learns how to speak English, but of course the brilliant white guy played by Franchot Tone somehow learns their language within, like, a day? I mean, that was the only thing that made me feel like, oh, I guess they've been here for months, is that he knew the language. Well, yeah, except that he could speak their language by the time that Christian gets off the boat. Because they were like, yeah, he's not going to get any shore leave. Right, but I think that that's because that's like weeks later that he finally like gets some shore leave. Well, that's mean. (laughs) (laughs) And also totally unbelievable. I'm sorry. Like, there's no way that... There's just no way that the captain would be like, yes, we're going to be here for five months, but this one guy is not allowed off the boat. Right. But like- Even the like most brutal (laughs) captain. But like, that's everything that Bly does in this movie. They just stack the deck so much toward him being this over the top, like- fucking disney villain like you really do expect him to go like we're gonna skin all those dogs by like 30 minutes into the film now all i'm doing is imagining charles lawton as cruella deville and uh (laughs) you know it doesn't not work it's not the worst casting for charles lawton no we've seen in the past couple of months yeah that that's really true it would certainly be better than him as javert (sighs) Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, shots of the native women in, they're clearly topless, but their long hair covers their breasts. Like, it's super exoticizing. God, I, uh, 
I have this problem where I'm looking at my notes and all my notes are like really nitpicky because I just found this movie so exhausting. (laughs) There's a line when the prissy upper class boy gets to the dock to get on the bounty where he goes, excuse me, sir, is that the bounty? And then the guy goes, no, it's that other ship over there. And they cut to a shot of a ship that just says bounty in big letters on the back. And I'm like, God, what a fucking dipshit. (laughs) Like, I... <laughs> you know, there are a lot of moments like that in this movie. Like, it kept wanting to have little moments of quirky humor while also having a brutal tyrant who literally keelhauls a guy and then beats somebody to death. How do you try to have this both ways? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like there was gallows humor where, like, in the face of this horrible oppression, these people were still able to find stuff to joke about. It was like cutesy humor. And the music, oh my god, the music was so, so sentimental and saccharine. Oh god. This movie is so desperately afraid you will not know who the good guy and the bad guy is. Like, at every single moment. And so it does, like, all of this stuff, and all of it sucks, but it does all of this stuff to keep going, like, Lawton's the bad guy, don't like him like the handsome boy and again i know i'm not supposed to go like this movie is bad for being what it is it should be a different thing but like it is also at what it is so boring that you just have a lot of time to think about what it should have been instead that didn't bore you to death it is really overlong and the scenes within each sort of section except i will say the scenes after the mutiny don't do this But they're so repetitive within each little section where it's like, oh, here's an action that like tells us the exact same thing about the exact same character again. One of the things that frustrates me is that flip. There is this just like, Bly's a jerk, Bly's an asshole, there should definitely be a mutiny. You should mutiny against this man. Bly is evil. Bly steals things. Bly's the kind of guy you should mutiny against. Bly is bad. And then the mutiny happens and it's like so much stuff happens so quickly. None of it is explained. People just constantly are like, there's a ship over the horizon. We got to go. What are you going to do? I'm going to stay here. Like, just like take a half hour from just the same thing happening over and over again and explain some character motivation in the back third for God's sakes. People just constantly say how they feel and then reverse it in the next scene because they got to be friends again. Yeah. Or like now Bly's got to be an asshole again. Like it just doesn't, it moves so frantically because the mutiny jumbles up who's the good guy and the bad guy so much that the movie has got to like double time it back to a place of moral comfort where Bly is the enemy and Christian is a good, good guy. Right. It's not a well-paced movie. I think that this story, not even the historical one, I think that this story in its, like, wireframe could be told and could be told better and could be told compellingly. I understand what you're saying about, like, this movie is bad because it's this movie, but, like, you can absolutely do the story of, like, horrible naval captain who was a monster and then people rebelled against him because he was a monster in a more elegant way than this did. Sure, but I guess then my question is, like, 
then why tell this story, where the literal titular accident is so morally complicated and weird, that, like, if you just want to tell a story about the bad captain who's bad, then, like, pick another... Like, there's a lot of bad captains. The British Navy... Just make up your own story. Yeah. (laughs) You could do a composite. (laughs) Right. If you're going to tell this story, why don't you want to tell the parts that make this story interesting? And this movie doesn't. It really glosses over the part where with like a compass and a half a bag of rations, Bly manages to navigate a boat 5,000 miles. That could be its own movie. Because he's the villain. Sure, but like, what I'm saying is like, that actually happened. Like, and the movie feels compelled to include it because it happened and holy shit. But, like, it doesn't have any interest in that because it wants to tell this totally other story that has nothing to do with what happened on the actual mutiny on the actual bounty. Uh, I will say this for the movie. It is the first movie that I have seen with Charles Lawton where I felt like he was giving a performance that made sense for him as an actor and where I felt like he really was doing a better job than most of the other people in the movie. And, you know, you said that it felt like he was acting in a different movie. And usually for me, like if I say that, that's a criticism of the actor for not being like present with his fellow actors. But in this case, like he was right and everybody else was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's in that other theoretical movie I'm talking about. It's because like everyone is actually that shitty And not because you needed to do a hagiography of this asshole dude that, like, Bly wasn't a great guy. It's just, like, it was the British Navy, so nobody was a particularly great guy. I don't think that the, like, historical Fletcher Christian, I feel like saying that he was an asshole dude is, like, not exactly the right description. Like, the historical Fletcher Christian sounds to me like, well, yeah, I guess he was an asshole. But because he was, like, pretty pampered, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't press ganged off the street, you know, like he came from a good family and he expected to be treated a particular way and to be treated better by Bly than he was, even though Bly actually treated him better than pretty much everybody else on the ship. And liked him. Which part of this is the argument where he isn't an asshole? I, you know, I, I take it back. I'm just saying that he, like, wasn't the same sort of asshole as the Bly in the movie. Like, he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't necessarily this, like... No, no I, I, like... Keel-hauling, beating somebody to death bastard. He was kind of a spoiled brat kid. No, what I, what I have in my notes, I not know you're wrong, like, know you're right. Because, like, what I have in my notes is that, like... The enemy here is British colonialism, and it turned both men into monsters. Like, you don't need to have this actual physical villain, because, like, the villain is that just this whole situation fucking sucks. And there's no way to get out of it without being an awful person. And it's very clear that in the 1930s in Hollywood, the idea of portraying British colonialism as a villain was not acceptable. I mean, I just finished editing Lives of a Bengal Lancer, that whole movie, which also Frenchette Toad was in. Is he just, like, in every movie that's, like, rah-rah British colonialism? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> you know, I know, I I am not generally a, like, person that's, like, I demand historical accuracy out of this film based on history. I generally don't give a shit. I only give a shit here 
because it feels like the core of this story was abandoned just so this movie could be boats, 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 the Charles Lawton yells a lot story. (laughs) Or the Clark Gable takes off his shirt for 30 minutes story. Right. Like when you get to the bounty, like I basically gave up when we got on the bounty because I was like, oh shit, this movie got nominated because they filmed on a boat. Fuck. (laughs) Like, you gave up way sooner than I did because I have such a like a very, very soft place in my heart for stories that are like from this period and that are on boats and that are about like the British naval officers were really horrible pieces of shit. And it never really gave me the story that I wanted. But I think I like I let myself believe that was coming for longer than you did. Yeah, I ended up in this situation where like. Very early on in the film, I was like, you are going to be garbage for the following reason. Prove me wrong. (laughs) And boy, it never did. In that way that, like, I was hoping against hope that, like, "Mm, no, like, I'm being dismissive. Like, this movie has to tell its story really well in addition to being on a... Nope, it's on a boat. Like, it's... They they got all these actors in costumes on a boat, and that's why it got nominated. (laughs) And that's honestly why it won, because every other movie was straight trash even more. That is not true. The Broadway Melody of 1936 and Top Hat were both better. You're right. And maybe Captain Blood is better. You don't know. (laughs) God, I hope so. But like, it's 1935 and we can both agree the Academy's already decided a musical's just never gonna fucking win, right? Like, that, that, like, they've already decided that, like, serious films are what wins the Best Picture Award. No, in 1936, like, literally the next year. Wait. A musical wins. What wins next year? The Great Zigfield. Oh, you're right. I don't know then. Then the Academy's just insane. I think that you're right that it is definitely the sets. It's definitely about the locations. That those were the big deciding factors for this. I mean, it still happens today where people are like, oh man, filming this movie was hard, therefore it's good. And it's like, those two things are not, are not the same. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about historical accuracy, I don't care about historical accuracy either in the same way. But for me, if you're going to do something that departs from it, have a reason. Yeah. Again, black sales. Definitely is not historically accurate. It takes literal, real historical figures who were pirates and characters from Treasure Island and mashes their stories together. But, like, there's a fucking reason there. Also, like, legitimately, it doesn't even have to be a good reason. Like, what if the Tudors fucked more is fine. Like, just like, I don't care. (laughs) But, like... This movie's reason for why it departs from historical accuracy is what irritates me because it's like, we just don't want to deal with this story. And then if that is your reason, then don't, don't deal with the story. Don't make this story. If you just don't want to deal with what happened in history, then don't do this. Do something else. Well, or if your reason for changing it is that you can't handle the complexities of, like, two characters who are not, like, neither one of them is necessarily, like, all good or all bad, and that your hero in the end ends up being actually an anti-hero. Like, if you can't confront that, and all you want to do is be like, well, this guy was totally bad, and this guy was totally good what you've done is you've made a really boring movie and that's that's what they did 
they've made a really boring movie. Yeah. With a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and a historical, like, incident that could have been really interesting. All right. Uh, let's let's rate this movie. I am I am interested in hearing your rating for this movie. And I think it will influence my rating more than... Yeah. Uh, okay, so my rating... I don't have to tell you how I got here. My rating for the movie is a three. Okay. My rating... Considering Clark Gable's dimples is a four. <laughs> However, I'm subtracting a point for the loss of the mustache, which takes it back down to a three. <laughs> okay. That makes sense, because I was planning on giving this movie a two, because, like, they did film on a boat. <laughs> like, otherwise, it's, like, it fulfills that, like, basic competency at a thing that is hard jump up from, like, in old Arizona, where it's like, God, this movie is garbage, and they were garbage at making it. <laughs> Whereas this movie just is is bad and has long racist sections and doesn't deal with anything that it wants to talk about. I think for me, it is, this movie is garbage, but it was filmed well. I'm giving it a three, probably because, probably because of Clark Gable, and I just am not totally aware of it, but also because I do think that, like, the boat, what looked fucking cool. Yeah, I get that. You can keep it at a two. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm keeping it at a two because I do think this is a Clark Gable handicap. <laughs> but I do like, I am agreeing with you that the boat looked cool. Fair, fair. <laughs> Should you watch this movie? No. I'm gonna say I'm also gonna say no because despite the fact that Clark Gable is shirtless for about half an hour, he's shirtless with a mustache. And it happened one night. And it's a good movie. Yeah. Don't watch this movie. I kind of, I want to have some sort of a like caveat like I usually do, but just blanket. Don't watch this. There's better Clark Gable movies. There are a lot better Clark Gable movies. There's a lot better. Like, listen, I hate Russell Brand, but like, or Russell Crowe, zero, zero, zero. No, <laughs> but Master and Commander is like, if you just want to see British boys dressed up in naval uniforms, that movie is paced well. It's got a scene where a surgeon operates on himself, which is one of those bits that gets me every time. It's also on a boat. They do a lot of cool stuff with it being on a boat. My understanding is that that movie is terrible. It's better than this one. <laughs> uh, I would say watch Black Sails because it's great. It has possibly the best series finale of any television show I've ever watched. And I am including Six Feet Under. And it has way more hot dudes in it. It's not just one hot dude. It's like t 10 and there's hot chicks in it. So, it, you know, like th there's a little something for everybody. <laughs> and it's not exclusively white people and deals with like the complications of colonialism and naval politics. And yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. You should watch it. Don't watch this. I don't even have any caveats for this. Like, even though I didn't hate it as much as you did, usually I'm like, if there is a thing that you are particularly interested in or studying. And I'm just like, no, nah, I don't feel like this is, it's not extraordinary. It doesn't stand as the lone example of what it is in a way that I would say like, yeah, you should watch it. Yeah. Like, I think that this is one of those things where like the screen test of time means we are not grading on a curve because it was the first time they did a good job filming on a boat. Yeah. There's better filmed on a boat movies. 
Like, don't don't watch this one. Absolutely. And maybe, uh, maybe next week's is going to be a better film on a boat movie. Yeah. I assume that it's at least somewhat filmed on a boat because it's about pirates. Right. I don't know. Maybe they'll, like, cheat it. But it's got Errol Flynn. It's, it seems swashbuckly, which is more my vibe for when there's boats. And you know who else is in it? Who always is good, even when he's in a bad movie? Oh shit, he is? Basil Rathbone. <laughs> Our hero Basil Rathbone is here to fucking save the day in 1935? I mean, seriously, like, one of the best actors ever. And it's it's amazing that I'd never even heard of this guy until we started this project. Yeah. Ah. Uh. But yeah, he's in it. So shit. Now I'm excited, which has been the kiss of death for 1935, but hopefully it won't be this time. Uh, you know, I'm excited because for better or for worse, I never have to watch another movie that was nominated in 1935. And that yeah. that in and of itself, even if 1936 is also terrible, it does mean that I'm done with these 12 movies. Oh, and we go down to 10 next year. Oh, thank God. Oh, it's 10. It's 10, it's 10 until we hit 5 in 44. Oh, I'm okay with 10 because, because 35 was a bad year for movies, apparently. (sighs) Yeah, we're going to be real hard pressed to get to five movies that deserved to be nominated next week, I think. Yeah, I don't even know that I have four already. Yeah. Even if Captain Blood is deserving. I, I don't think we could get to five. We'll see. We'll we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Uh, and until then... This was a movie. This... I, it was a movie. I'm not going to take that away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not going to add anything. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. It, the end. Quite literally, this was a movie. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.